Great. Well, let's get into the Word this morning. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 6. Um, Judges chapter 6. We're uh, just starting the series called Life Words, uh, just words of encouragement, words of hope. Anybody ready to be encouraged this morning? You know, uh, I, I want to just believe the Lord wants to say something this morning. I just kind of got something stirring in my heart. I'm kind of ready to go off like a bottle of pop, really, today. So I just uh, want to kind of let the word kind of soak in your life today. Uh, I believe that God wants to change some things in people's lives today um, and uh, stir it up. So, uh, and um, last week, um, Jay preached a great word on it is finished, a little phrase, tetelestai, or tetelestai, Um And, uh, you know, just a great word. If you haven't heard it, I would encourage you to hear it just about living in the fullness of what Jesus has done for you. And uh, today I want to talk from uh, the book of Judges about the story of Gideon. Uh, Verse 11, I'm just going to read a few verses here with us. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abysrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian? Sound like the prophecy that we just heard? The Lord said to him, turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord. He's the most polite guy in the Bible. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I'll be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And Gideon replied, if now I've found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Amen. What an amazing passage. And uh, I just wanted to jump into it this morning. The context is really um, the Israelites are are living in the promised land. Um, We've had the period of Joshua leading the Israelites in for years and the training, and now we're in the period of the judges. And uh, the people are living in the Israel, in the land of promise, but they're not really enjoying the fullness of it. They're, they're restrained. They've got all kinds of opposition. The enemy is still coming and raiding against them. So they're living in the land of promises, but their life is a struggle and a fight. Anybody know how that feels? It's like life, isn't it? You're trying to do what God's called you to do. You're trying to take hold of the promises of God, but there's opposition to the work of God in your life. And so I want to talk this morning just about this uh, uh, whole idea of actually finding strength for the fight, finding strength to go on and do what God has called you to do. And we've joined the story with Gideon at such a moment. The enemies are attacking them. He's in the wine press. Uh, He's hiding uh, in in the wine press. He's not treading wine. He's threshing wheat because he's afraid the enemies will be looking for him and they'll see him and they'll come and rob him of the little that he has. How many of you know that a lot of us can spend our lives worried about losing the little that we have rather than pursuing the promises of God for our lives? And so there he is hiding, tucked away. And I love this moment because uh, all of a sudden he's trying to be in secret and the angel of the Lord came and sat down close by. A couple of things about that, isn't it? The Lord knows exactly where you are even when you're hiding. You know, he does. And he comes to help. Comes to help. And I I think Gideon must have had a bit of a shock because he's got his head in the wine press, he's hiding. And all of a sudden the angel goes, hello, Gideon. He's like, woo, what's going on here? 
there's an angel standing beside him. I mean, that'd be a great afternoon, wouldn't it? I mean, it would freak most of us out, wouldn't we? And he's sitting there, and this angel has appeared to him. And the angel starts to speak to him and say, you know, the here I am, I've been sent by God. And this is the context of life. We're trying to fulfill the purpose of God. We're trying to hang on to the promises of God. And yet we're feeling the resistance and the opposition of the enemy. And we're trying to press in and hold on. And the angel of God comes and God speaks to us. Just like Joe had a prompting in his heart this morning to say, hey, maybe for some of you here, you feel as if you've missed it, but actually God's still on the case. And it's weird this because I was sitting in my office this week and I was preparing a sermon on something else. And all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me about Gideon. And I'm like, okay, let's change. And so I want to speak to you. I want to try and give you strength for the fight because it is a fight. It is a fight. And I want to just talk about what the Lord wants to say. And uh, this encounter between Gideon and uh, the angel helps us today. First, it says this to us. And I think this is the most important thing for some people here today. God is still God even when evil seems to be in control. I tell you, you need to hang on to that today. You know, I'm concerned about a generation of pleasure-seeking Christians who have not got the spiritual stamina to stand through the fight. I am concerned that we are so self-centered in our generation that Christianity has become about what God will give to us and what God will save us from rather than what God will lead us to. And friends, I hate to say that, but honestly, as a pastor of a church over 30 years, I've seen it. I've seen the church become weakened in this nation because we've become too pleasure-seeking. Didn't expect that this morning, did you? But what it means is that sometimes when there's a fight and when there's opposition, all we can do is hide when the Lord calls us to raise a standard. I don't mean we have to go and fight the world. I mean we have to get on our knees sometimes and fight the evil one who would seek to rob us of our destiny in God. See, too many Christians want to target the world. Hey, it's not the world that's the problem. It's the spiritual principalities and powers that are the problem. Hello. Great preaching this morning, Dave. Because, hey, you know what? We're called to fight. We're called to stand in the Lord's army. We used to sing the song, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Now, of us, most of us go, can I stay in the Lord's hotel, please? I'm serious. Because, you know, we need that strength. We need strength for the fight. Listen, if you're not giving yourself a, 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 a sense of spiritual development and strength, then you are going to be overrun by the enemy in your life. You've got to buy into that. You can't just rely on everything and anybody. If you're relying on me to keep you strong in the spirit, you're going to be sorely disappointed. I got a bad enough time doing that for me. You've got to step up and say, you know what? And so you need to understand the big picture here. God is still God, even when evil seems to be in control. I love it. The angel comes and says, the Lord is with you. Just what Joe said to somebody here today. The Lord is with you. And this is what he said. Pardon me, Lord. <laughs> Have you ever said that? Pardon me, Lord. I know you're right, but I don't feel like you're right. If this is true, why? If this is true, why has this happened? And I, I want you to say, every child of God, every man of faith, every woman of faith has to wrestle with this. Lord, why has this happened? Why, Lord? If this is true, Lord, if the Lord is with me, why has this happened? If this is true, why am I going through this? If this is true, why are my enemies running riot with my life? If this is true, why do I find myself here? It's that cry of every generation that follows Jesus. This is one of the challenges of the life of faith. Will I believe in God when everything is out of control? 
Will I believe in God and his purpose for my life when I cannot see through the situation in front of me? Will I trust him? Now, you might not be in that place today, but trust me, it won't be too long before you are. And so I want you to hear what I'm saying today. I'm trying to equip you for life. This encounter with Gideon, of Gideon with God reminds us that God is still God no matter what happens. The amazing thing about this is that the angel doesn't even address the question. He doesn't say, oh, great question, let's talk about that. See, that's what we're like, isn't it? Let's have a discussion. Let, let's, let's hear what God has to say about why his position has been established. How many of you know God doesn't have to justify himself to you? See, if we believe in God, we have to believe that God knows best. See, if we just want to believe in a little God who does what we ask him, if we, if we rub his chest, he'll rub ours. That's not God. God is the creator of the whole earth. God is the one who rules enthroned above the planets. God is the one who speaks life into being. And therefore, if he says, this is what I've determined, we don't go, well, I'm not sure about that. We go, okay, God, help me to have the grace to live with it. So we have to put that into our heart. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a strong church, friends. I, I, I am exasperated because sometimes it just takes the smallest thing for people to walk away from faith and I wonder what I've been teaching them I wonder what have they heard because if Jesus died on a cross for me then everything that I can do is worth following him for if my salvation is in the blood of Jesus on the cross if my redemption is in what Jesus paid the price for me then he's not called me to just skip through the tulips he's called me to say even though even though there is no fruit on the, the tree, and even though there's no cattle in the stores, yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. Friends, that's what faith is all about. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And so we have to position ourselves, people of God. We have to learn to say, hey, you know what? I can't see the sun. You know, there's a, great script, there's a great poem, isn't there, written by a prisoner on the walls of one of the concentration camps. Just because I can't see the sun doesn't mean the sun isn't shining. Just because I don't feel the love of God doesn't mean he doesn't love me. Wow. See, sometimes you've got to write that on your heart. Just because I'm not sure where God is today doesn't mean he's not here. Just because I'm not sure of what I'm walking through doesn't mean that I can step it aside. This is the confidence that we have. Faith is the confidence we have in what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. That is the lesson of people of faith. And you know, today we've got to start to put that into our lives. Too many of us, are, our faith is determined by our circumstances. Oh, good point, Dave. You see, our faith has to be determined by the revelation of the character of God. You see, when you understand God, then you can start to trust God. When you believe what the Bible says about God, then you can start to trust Him. And you can say, like uh, Job said, even if He slays me, I will trust Him. <laughs> Anybody want to offer that prayer to the Lord today? I'll raise a hallelujah, Lord, but I'm not sure I'll raise a even if you slay me, I'll trust you prayer. But you see, if you're raising a hallelujah to God, the creator of the world, then actually you can raise the other prayer, which is, Lord, I trust you with my life. Because my life is not simply about this world. My life is about eternity. My life is bigger than this. 
My life is stronger than this. I love the fact that, you know, Job's wife comes to him in the midst, right early on in his suffering and says to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. I thought, the lovely voice of the woman you love. And Job turns to her in all her frustration and all her despair. He understands that and he says, shall we, and listen to it, it's amazing. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, it says, Job did not sin in what he said. I want you to think about that phrase. In other words, he said, I will not allow even to come from my lips that which is sinful as I speak about God. Wow. See, sometimes I think we say what's sinful about God. We don't mean to, I don't think, but, but, but our declaration becomes negative rather than positive. And we, um, um, Job says, even in my despair, even in facing death, I will not allow myself to speak that which is sinful about God. Wow. You know why? Because he has a revelation of how great God is. His revelation of God is greater than his circumstances, is greater than the disease that he's carrying, is greater than the opposition that he's going through. Friends, I know this is a tough word this morning. Well, is it tough? I just think it's a life-giving word. I think it's something that helps us. Because actually, we need to understand God is... That's the second point, is it? Go back one. God is still God, even when evil seems to be in control. We need to just say, you know what, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. God, I don't understand it. You don't even have to like it, friends. You know, I'm not some kind of person who likes pain. I don't have to say, oh, thank you, Lord, for the flat tire and the guy who hit my car, my dog dying. Thank you, God. No, I don't have to say that. What I have to say is, Lord, even in the midst of the pain of my life, even in the inconvenience, even in the opposition, God, I know that you are God, and therefore my hope is in you. See, we just sang it. No power of hell, no scheme of man. Friends, if that's true, then it doesn't matter. See, we sing these songs because the power of hell does come against us. The scheme of men do stand against us. If you look at the amazing scriptures in the Bible, they, they say things because we actually have to come through. You know, eight, Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And we go, amen. And then it says, shall trouble. In other words, you might have trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Amen, 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 amen says, listen, you might have all these things in your life, but nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. See, that's the revelation. The revel is not that you won't have. And if we look at Christianity as a way of getting out of trouble, then we're going to be sorely disappointed because the focus of our faith is on ourselves, not on God. So I want you to hold it close to your heart today. Listen, we're all going to have times when we say, pardon me, my Lord. The Lord is with us. Why has this happened? I wonder if you said that recently. I've said it recently. Stuff's gone on in my family, and I've said, Lord, why has this happened? Why, why, why would you allow this to happen? I should be immune from this suffering. Don't you see me, Lord? I'm serving you. God doesn't give me an answer. It's just life. The important thing is, is that I trust him in the middle of it. See, none of us are immune to it, church. And so we've got to learn. See, right at the beginning of this situation, you've got to say, hey, this is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to trust God no matter what happens. Listen, the Lord turned to Peter one day, and he said to him, Simon, Simon Peter, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. 
Don't you love that prayer? Don't you love it if the Lord said to you one day, Satan's asked to sift you like wheat. And I'd be expecting the Lord to say, but I've banned him from touching your life totally. He says, but I've prayed for you. In other words, he says, we're allowing him. Well, we don't like that, do we? Modern theology. Oh, let's, let's get rid of that now. The Lord wouldn't allow that to happen. The Lord wouldn't allow anything to come against me. No, the Lord wouldn't allow you to be destroyed by anything. But he'll allow stuff to come against you. See, somewhere along, we've just got a built-in resistance to that teaching nowadays. We've got to hear it. Satan has asked to sift you. It wouldn't be like, you know, your neighbor's going to give you a hard time for a few weeks. I mean, we could deal with that, can we? Satan has asked. Satan has personally got your number, Peter, and he's coming to oppose you. That would start your prayer life off on a different foot, wouldn't it? And he says, but I have prayed for you that you might not fail. He hadn't said, I prayed for you that you'll escape the experience. He said, I pray that you might stand. Because the most important thing in this situation, Peter, is not that you escape the trouble, it's that you stand in the trouble. See, that's, that's a word for somebody today. We want God to deliver us from every kind of thing, but sometimes he puts us through it. His delivering from evil is bringing us through it. That's why the psalmist, Psalm 23, the most read psalm in the, in the world, is like, he leads me. He takes me through the valley of the dark, uh, of the shadow of death. He doesn't say, okay, I'll see you on the other side. He takes us through. He doesn't say, hey, we can just go round the valley today. Some days you'll walk up the mountain. Other days you'll walk to the valley. God is still God when you're in the valley, friends. And so I want you to take hold of that today. If you take nothing else home, I want you to pick in the head. God is still your God. The situation may change. God never changes. And so you've got to hold on. You've got to have faith to hold on to a God who is with you in every situation. God is still God, even when evil is in control. Number two, God sees what could be, not what is. Hallelujah. Don't you love that? He comes to a wine press where a man is hiding for fear of the enemy. And he says to him, this is God's sense of humor. The Lord is with you, mighty hero of faith. Don't you love that? Hear it this morning. The Lord is with you, mighty heroes of faith. <laughs> I want you to look at the person next to you and say, hero of faith. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know. See, see, here's the deal. God sees what can be, not what is. See, at that moment in time, Gideon has no idea of what God has in store for him. Gideon sees himself with eyes of unbelief, with eyes of doubt, with eyes of fear. Gideon is just worried about his next meal. He is not standing in faith, but unbelief. He, has, he feels insignificant and has a terrible self-image. We know that because he says, again, he says this, but Lord, how can I save Israel? All of a sudden, emails have appeared on my iPad. That's a really uh, disconcerting thing. But Lord, how can I save Israel? Listen to this. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and my family is the weakest in my clan. Isn't that amazing? He says, but Lord, you know what? I am nobody. My whole family are nobodies, and I'm the biggest nobody in the family of nobodies. <laughs> He's like, you've got the wrong guy. There are somebodies over there, but we're nobodies here, and I'm the biggest nobody in the family of nobodies. He says, you can't possibly be serious. I'm not the man. 
But God is looking at him and God's saying to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God's saying, I can see a man in you that will stand up and fight for his people. I can see a man in you who will sound a trumpet. I can see a man in you who will be obedient. I can see a man in you, if you can just understand what God thinks about you, then actually you can come alive and you can begin to step in to a future and a destiny and a plan that I have for you. If you can just hear it, if you can just release it, if you can just receive it in your heart and in your circumstances, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me. He says, I am with you. See, this is God's speciality. He sees potential in everybody. You know why? Because he's invested his creativity in us. Ephesians 2 verse 10, we are the Lord's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, God has invested something in your life that's of his incredible sovereign power and he's put it to work in you and it maybe just needs releasing out of you. It maybe just needs that proclamation, even that Joe brought this morning, that the Lord is with you, that you might think it's over, that you're finished, that there's no way forward. But God says, actually, I've just begun. I'm just carrying on the work. I can change anything in your life. There's no circumstances that you're in that I can't change and bring to a place of fruition and a place of fulfillment in my kingdom. It's more important that God, uh, that Gideon started to understand that God saw more for him. Listen, your life is not limited by where you've come from, by what you've experienced, by what your abilities are. You need to hear the Lord say, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You need to hear the Lord start to speak over your life about whether you can rise up to do what God's put in your heart. God sees more. See, God sees different things to men. He sees what comes out of a person's heart. He sees character over gifting. Remember James says, the book of James, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. See, gifting's the not most important thing to God because God created the world. How many of you know he doesn't need your gift? He, he can sing by himself. He, he can play the piano. He can do pretty much anything he wants. He, he, he doesn't need, but what he needs is your character. He looks for people who are humble at heart, who will walk before him humbly and acknowledge him in their lives. And even when all hell is breaking loose, will still turn towards him, not away from him and say, Lord, I trust you in the midst of my life, in the midst of my circumstances. He sees attitude before opportunity. He looks for people who'll walk with him so that actually he can trust them and then he gives them opportunity. He sees that people have proved themselves faithful. Faithful with little, it says, will be given charge over much. See, we all wanna try and have the great ministries, but actually, you know, and again, it's, it's a modern thing, isn't it? Everybody wants everything straight away. Instant society, I should be able to have the same opportunity as everybody else. I should have the same salary as everybody else. You know, it's a big thing nowadays, isn't it? I'm a woman, you're a man, we should just have the same salary. It's as if experience and the gifting doesn't come into it. No, I'm not making a case for let women being paid less. I'm making a case for actually, there has to be more than just gender that makes a decision in life. Hello, am I gonna get stoned any minute now? Because, you know, it's what you're worth to people that defines your value. It's what you, how you behave, it's your attitude. You might be the most gifted person in the world, but your attitude stinks. Well, thanks, but I don't want you on my team. Go and be somebody else's problem. 
It's not about that. But you see, God looks right at you. And God, here's the funny thing about God, is he's not impressed by your great gifts that you bring. He's impressed by the attitude that you show. So God looks for people who he can use. How many of you know God would take the most humble person with the best attitude rather than the most amazing gifted person with a bad attitude? The trouble is many of us wouldn't in life. We think, oh, I can use their gift. Well, use your gift, but the Bible says you reap what you sow and it will bite you on the bum pretty soon. Romans 8, 28. <laughs> You've got to understand that, friend. God sees what could be. I love that about it because God sees me and he doesn't see me as you see me. He sees me as someone who he can use. He doesn't see me with all my faults and all my inadequacies, with my sin and my insecurities and with all that. He sees me and he says, come on, Dave, we can do this. If you'll just surrender, if you'll just be obedient, if you'll just step up, then actually lives can change. Amen? That's what he says about you. He sees you and says, come on, you're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty woman of God. If you can just begin to believe what I've put within you, if you can just begin to believe that actually life can change, then actually you can step into something that's eternal and important. But you see, we've got to, sometimes we've got to get out of the wine press for that to happen. God speaks life. It's a constant testimony of the Bible. He's looking for people who he can use. Think about them. Abraham, Moses, Solomon, David, Elijah, Paul, Barnabas, whoever you want to put in there. People who were just normal people. None of them were exceptional people. But they walked with God. They were open for what God wanted to say. God sees more in you, what you could be. And then finally, God's presence makes a difference. I love this. God's presence makes a difference. Judges 6, 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I will be with you and will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. Wow, that's a word, isn't it? See, I want you to understand today that the thing that happened between uh, Gideon and the angel was, was just found in those little few verses. He said, would you give me a sign of your favor? And he says, I will wait until you return. All of a sudden, the angel says, I'm going to show you that actually the presence of God is upon your life. See, it's the presence of God that changes what we can look for in life. If we can understand that, then actually it changes everything about us. It's the presence of God that will bring us through the fight of life. It's the presence of God that will equip us to look in situations and understand, well, actually, on my own, I'll be stuffed here, but actually the Lord is with me. I can come through this. The Lord is with me, I can survive this. The Lord is with me, I can prosper even in that. You see, I believe that the people of God can prosper even in persecution. Is that true? Church in China thrived under persecution. I'm not saying they enjoy it, friends, but actually God still fulfills his purpose. Because how many of you know God's purpose is bigger than our pleasure? Amen, Dave, great point. See, God's purpose is bigger than our pleasure. And, and somehow, we, we've got to change our perspective. Actually, if this works for the purposes of God. See, when it says, all things work together for good for those who uh, love God, who are called according to His purpose. In other words, God will work out the best in your life according to His purpose, not your purpose. See, that's, we misunderstood that scripture sometimes. All things work together for good. Therefore, I'm not going to have to walk through this. No, that's not what it says. It says that even as you walk through it, God will still work out things for His purpose. And actually, it's still for your good because his purposes is for your good. And so we have to trust God. And all of a sudden, it says God's presence makes the difference. 
the angel tells him to go in the strength he has. I love that because he doesn't have much strength. He's just given us his rundown. He's from the weakest clan and he's the weakest family and he's the weakest person in his family. That's his fighting pedigree. Go in the strength you have. What's he saying to him is, I don't need you to have strength. I just need you to go. The strength that you have will be enough to do what I've called you to do if you'll just trust me and go with me. Because then he says, go to the strength in the strength you have and save Israel. Not too much of an all order, is it? And then he says this, and I will be with you. And we will strike down the Midianites. Wow. Because it's his presence that makes the difference for those who will trust him for the fight. How can I save Israel? I will be with you. How can I bring up my kids and my own? I will be with you. How can I run this company in a righteous way? I will be with you. How can I walk through this dark valley of opposition? I will be with you. How can I stand as a witness for God in the midst of my workplace? I will be with you. How can I make a difference in my family life? I will be with you. How can I confront the pain that has damaged my heart and my mind? I will be with you. See, it's the presence of God that makes a difference. And I want to talk about two aspects of his presence in our lives just to try and help root it for us. The first is the fact of his presence, the truth of his presence. You see, it's when we understand that revelation, the fact of it, he's always with us. That wherever we go, he's with us. That's what the Bible says again and again. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. The Lord is with you. Even I am with you to the end of the age. It's the phrase. It's almost the mantra of the scriptures for God and his people. I am with you. And so we have to understand that fact, the truth of it, that the overwhelming difference that it makes, that wherever we go in life, we are not going alone, that his truth is he's with us. Even when the days we can't see him, we say, you know what? He's with me and I'm going to trust him. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to believe in him. It changes how you live. You see, when you know the Lord is with you, it changes what you believe for. (laughs) It changes what you speak out. It changes how you perceive the opportunities you have because you understand the Lord is with you. It's a truth that sets you free. Friends, people got up and got into boats and sailed to the far side of the world to preach the gospel because they knew the Lord was with them. Not for some fanciful notion. Not for some exciting missionary opportunity. Not to go and look after orphans and do stuff that made them feel better, even though it's important. They went to die because the Lord was with them. It's amazing. The Lord's presence, the fact of it makes a difference. I want you to think about your life just now and as you walk through it. And I want you to imagine that the Lord is walking with you. It's a fact. Just like Adam and Eve, in the cool of the evening, the Lord would come and walk with them through the garden. What an amazing picture. It's the fact of his presence that changes things. But then I want to talk about the fellowship of his presence. You see, there's the truth, but then there's the intimacy of his presence. The Bible says that we should know the fellowship of his spirit with us. Jesus promised that God would not leave us as orphans, but he would come to us and live in us and through us, and that we would walk in fellowship with him. See, we need to know both kinds of his presence in our lives. See, we need the truth, 
the truth sets us free. But we need the fellowship because the fellowship leads us through life. So I want to say to you today, people of God, I, I, I don't know how it works. I wish I could say, do this, this, and this. But you know what? You need the fellowship of the Spirit in your life. If you're going to walk with God, if you're going to be who God's called you to be, if, if you're going to work that out, if you're going to enter into it, if you're even going to start to believe it, then you have to live in the fact of His presence, but also the fellowship of His Spirit. That He just is with you, that He's on you, that He's helping you, that there's a sensitivity to Him, that there's a recognition. See, I know in my life that the Holy Spirit's sensitive. And I know that sometimes my decisions can chase him away. Make him feel actually he's not very welcome. I'm not welcoming him. So I have to come back and say, Holy Spirit, I'm really sorry. I need your fellowship. I'm not going to walk through this life without your fellowship. Because I know you're with me, but actually I want to live in the, in the fulfillment of that. I want to live in the outworking of that. I want to live in the practical guidance of that. Because if I want to be what you've called me to be, then I have to learn to listen. I have to learn to walk. Have that sensitivity to you. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to live in us, to teach us, to guide us, to strengthen us. This fellowship takes away the loneliness and isolation that sometimes we feel and brings us into a sense of security and peace with him. The Lord is with you. I want to give you some strength for the fight today. I want you to hear maybe what the Lord has been trying to say today, even through the prophetic, even through the songs that we've been singing. In a minute, we're going to come and sing a song of declaration. It's a new song for many of you, but uh, we're going to declare it. It's simple. It's easy to pick up. We're going to start to declare that actually God is with us. And as the Lord is with us, things are going to change. Some of us are going to have to say, Lord, I'm out of control here. I don't understand what's happening. The enemy the opposition, the circumstances of my life seem to be robbing me, but I'm not going to allow that to happen anymore because I'm going to stand in you. I feel like I'm in the wine press today, Lord, but I'm going to get out. I'm going to take hold of the purposes of God. I'm going to believe what God wants. God sees what could be, not what it is. You might not feel like a mighty man or a mighty woman of God just now, but God sees it and knows that you can be that. It might not look, it won't look like Gideon's life. Many of you won't have to blow a trumpet and lead a battle. But many of you might just have to go home and look in the mirror and start to sing. You know what, Lord? I'm going to trust you in the middle of this situation. Lord, I can't control the outcome of this, but all I do know is that you are my God, and I will not let go of you because my life is in your hands. I'm going to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to become so sensitive to his presence. I want you to ask yourself, how sensitive are you to the presence of God? See, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I don't mean in church necessarily. I mean in life. Are you sensitive enough to just hear when the Lord speaks? We were uh, having curry this week with a few lads. I talked to them about the gift of tongues. Some of you probably just need to stand at home a little bit and start to exercise that gift. It's been a while. 
the gift of tongues enables us to speak to God in a heavenly language, enables us to utter mysteries with our spirit. It brings us into a place of intimacy and, and, and dependence upon God. It, it moves us beyond just our own minds and opens our spirit to God. It's, it's a spiritual gift exercised in faith that connects us to the Father. Because we want to stir up our intimacy with God. How, how sensitive are we? See, God's called us to be his people, to hear his voice. My sheep know my voice. So how much of his voice are you hearing? See, see, it's great to come and hear the word, you know, because the word's powerful, changes lives. But actually, God wants to speak to you personally this week. But in the busyness of life, in our pursuit of so many things, sometimes the voice of the Lord becomes silent to us. I'm not giving anybody a hard time about that. You know, that's life. I understand that. You know, the Bible, I don't think God's in heaven going, I think God's in heaven going, I just want to speak to you if you'll listen. Just have something to say. If you'll just learn to recognize when I whisper, when I, when I send somebody, when I use some, if you just have that sensitivity and openness, and actually, you know what? That mighty warrior that is in you can start to rise up and start to be what God's called it to be. wonder, can we stand? Bands just want to come back. Let's, uh, let's do something just a little bit um, activating faith a little bit this morning. I know it's going to be hard and, uh, well, we could just, you know, we could just pray and go home. That'd be great, wouldn't it? But I don't know about you, but I'm just a little bit more uh, motivated. I just want to be, let's just be hungry for God today. And so this morning, I just want to pray over people. I don't think I'll pray for everybody individually. Maybe I will, but... I. But we're going to sing a song in a minute. It's called, This Is How I Fight My Battles. And uh, we're going to start to declare it. The band are going to lead us. We're just going to sing it together. But I, I'm asking for you, if you're in fighting a battle today, if you're in a situation where you're saying, God, where are you? If you're in a situation where you're having to say, well, God, I know you're here, but I can't really see it. I, I want you to come and stand at the front. I want you to come and say, Lord, this is how I fight my battle. I fight my battle by trusting you. I fight my battle by believing that you can change the situation. I fight my battle by believing even if the situation doesn't change, God, you're with me and I'm going to walk through it with you. And so God, I'm going to fight my battle today. I'm going to bring my faith into gear and I'm going to trust the living God who's revealed himself to me and in whom I've put my trust. And so if that's you this morning, just come right now. Come on, come and stand at the front. Say, that's me, Lord. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to fight the battle, Lord. I'm not going to step back. I'm not going to be, be half-hearted about it. I'm going to trust you. Come on.